Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a great guest interview coming up for you. We're going to talk about how do we define a healthier version of success for ourselves? How do we include well-being in that definition so that we actually live lives that lives that are manageable? And how do we avoid burnout? So that's what we're going to jump into today, and I can't wait to share this with you. Welcome to Building a Life You Love, the podcast dedicated to helping you step into a life where your passion blossoms from within, your faith deepens, and simplicity becomes your favorite synonym for everyday life. If you feel like you've been stuck between the what-ifs, expectations, and obligations in your life, but you're ready to step into a life you love, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Kristen. I'm an encourager, a faith-led entrepreneur, a mom, and a wife. Join me each week as we dive into creating positive habits, stepping out of our comfort zone, and making space for meaningful relationships and deepening our faith. Let's step off the path of expectations and into a space that feels genuinely aligned with us. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome my guest, Amanda Moortega. She is a work-life balance and burnout prevention specialist who speaks at corporate events, conducts workshops, and coaches executives. She is an author of a book that's recently come out called Inward to Upward, Discover Your Blueprint for True Success and Escape the Toxic Success Trap Forever. And I'm so excited for the conversation today to share this with my uh, my audience because we're going to get real and we're going to talk about when we feel burned out or how do we even avoid burnout and how do we actually have a work-life balance that aligns with our values and what our priorities are for life in this season moving forward. And so I'm so excited and I just want to welcome her. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So why don't you just start off, start off with telling us what did life look like? And to the point where you hit burnout and then how, how did life unfold to what, how you're helping people with this now? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, I had become a type A sort of workaholic overachiever. I would say my career had become cemented into my identity mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of the skills or knowledge that I have now before I just suddenly, you know, after almost 30 years of my professional career, which was very successful on paper, I just hit a wall and I, you know, it was really physical, mental, emotional, just burnout. It was a stop. I mean, I can't even tell you, it was like, I just couldn't go on. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I mean, no one was more surprised than me. So I wasn't just flippantly, oh, I'm just going to quit my job. Everybody's quitting their jobs. I was literally done. And I resigned. Um, I actually am going to also point out that I was extremely passionate about what I did. And I had a good job. I was managing two teams in, in a financial services, Fortune 1000 financial services company, US based. and The teams that I was managing, I loved, you know, the projects that or the programs that we were doing were strategic programs. I was a strategist and, you know, becoming a really good program manager, being able to come up with these really effective programs that really, you know, hit the KPIs, all the things, right? If anyone's corporate, they know what I'm talking about. Um, And so it wasn't that I didn't like my job. I didn't quit the job because I didn't feel aligned with the vision or mission of the company, it was just something internal that happened to me and I didn't understand it. So, you know, after I quit, first of all, I went to the beach by myself for a week and just kind of chilled. And then, 
And then I came back and I, um, you know, I tried to do consulting for a while because I thought, oh, it was just the corporate day to day. That was it. And that just didn't even stick either. And I just was like, you know, I've kind of always wanted to help people more one-on-one and let me go explore this thing. So I went back to school and became a certified professional coach. I was still a little type A. I got three coaching certifications and, you know, that's just my way. I'm still sort of ambitious and somewhat of an achiever, but I also researched everything I possibly could about stress and burnout. And, and I really wanted to unpack it. I wanted to understand, you know, what really causes burnout. Yeah. And so through that process, I ended up deciding to write a book that I think helps anyone who's either pre-burnout, just sort of on the burnout train, yeah. or has actually burnt out and just is feeling bad about it and just wants like, hey, how do I get out of this I'm sort of in a hole? Um, and the interesting thing is like, just to, just to give you a visual of how my identity was so rocked by this mm-hmm. is I remember after I quit my job, just not having things on my calendar was depressing and made me feel empty. Yeah. Like I, like I was no one because I didn't have the busyness if you, if you will. Right. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, could talk forever about this obviously, but, um, but that's why, how I got here. So I now, um, I do help people one-on-one. I do coach one-on-one, but it's not really the primary thing. I really like now getting back into the trenches with corporate. Mm -hmm. And what I like doing is, first of all, my book is not about quitting your job, even though there's golden handcuffs on it and all the things, right? Uh, But it's not necessarily about that. I have about 50-50 of my clients are either still in it and they're just trying to be happy and enjoy their lives. And, and find a healthier version of success and some balance and things, or they're, they are looking for that act two blueprint of life. Like they want to get out of corporate and do something there. So, so I kind of have both, but I love going in doing workshops and speaking. And it is sort of my passion now is to kind of go back into corporate and challenge this belief that we have that chronic stress is a, is a formula for success somehow. Mm-hmm. So we can talk more about that, but that is sort of where my focus is now. Yeah, it's so good. I, I mean, it's so needed. And there's there's so many studies now that tie that stress is literally like the top indicator of, you know, um, basically disease or or causing problems in our bodies. I just saw something the other day that was talking about that. And it said, if someone was a smoker and had heart disease, but still, you know, did stuff versus somebody that exercised and was healthy, but they had crazy stress, the person that has heart disease and smoked could live mostly would live most likely would live longer than the Are you stress. Serious? Yes. Out person because stress wrecks havoc on our bodies. So like, oh it's not a joke. It is not just like, because I want to feel better. It's, Mm-mm. I mean, it's not just feel better, like heart and mind. It's literally physically causing mm-hmm. chaos in our bodies to the point where it, it'll, it can kill you. Like not, not immediately, but I mean, if for 40, 50, 60 years, you live at that level. Um, just to make a point about that, that just came to me. I also saw a study where my dad has Parkinson's. And so he's, you know, navigating through that, but there were people that they took and did the hyperbaric chambers with. So let's say it was 10 people. Nine of them had great results. It's, it's not long-term, right? It's a temporary because it's increasing oxygen in your body, but the nine people had a great result of it. The 10th person did it. He was still in his, he was in his seventies or 80, still a practicing physician, but a high stress situation it did not have great impact on his Parkinson's 
but they, they tied it to his stress level and his work Mm. load. And so once again, it, we really do need to know and have the tools on how to deal with chronic stress and then how to not get burned out. And what do we do if we start getting there? So I think this is why this conversation is so important. What, for people. Uh, wow. Those are some facts I didn't know. And it's just so, um, I actually did lose two very significant colleagues mm-hmm. the year after I quit within six months, two uh-huh. people that I have known for years. One was my boss who hired me at the company yeah. Um, he wasn't my boss anymore because I'd been I'd been reorged a couple of times, but um, he passed away, stress related, heart related, and another person that had been my client, you know, because I was in consulting before this this role, um, he passed away too, and I thought, you know, and and one of them, he used to tell me all the time, like I'm doing this, I've got this whole retire early plan, and I'm doing this program, you know, I'm going to retire early, and I mean, look, he didn't even make it. Because he was trying to plow through, you know, and it's cultural. It's a belief system that we have in our culture. And just another thing about stress that I think is helpful for people to to realize, and and many people know this, but just hearing it again is is good, is that stress is actually useful. Stress is actually, it is actually designed, we're designed to, it's, I think of it as a little backpack with a fuel tank in it. Right. And if we can learn to only open that backpack when we need it. So if we can just use stress as a short-term fuel yes. and, and it, you know, like, so it could be exciting. Some people tell me, oh man, I'm not buying this. I thrive on stress. And I'm like, well, you probably do in a short term. Right. Right. But maybe you have really good stress management techniques when you're not in that short-term stress. So maybe you're fine. I don't know. But it is a fuel for success up to a point, right? Like it can, yeah. you know, like, you know how when we have a deadline and we're like, Absolutely. go, go, go. So there's this healthy hustle. There's this yes. short-term use. But I think the problem is that we think it's the fuel behind our success. And and we use chronic stress as a way of showing up. Hustle culture, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know if you know that, like, I like coffee. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've actually learned that after two cups, you're actually increasing cortisol levels. Yeah. And those cortisol levels are what you're talking about. That's toxin going through our blood. It's, it's not, it's tearing us down and it tears down our vitamin, our vitamins. We can't absorb from the food. So you're right. It isn't intended to be long-term use. It's not an all day affair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and I saw something interesting just the other day, um, Dr. Mark Hyman had, had mentioned this uh, online that he said, it is better to take lots of mini breaks or vacations throughout your year than to save up and take a two week long vacation. They've shown studies show even two weeks, separate weeks of vacation, you know, or lots of mini, you know, long weekends are healthier for us. But it's that whole thing about if we keep our stress at this high level and we never go up and down, we never release or relax or have restoration, Mm -hmm. then our bodies for all that time, it's like we're saving up thinking that in two weeks we can restore ourselves. But that's not really how it works if we're at a high stress performing type of, you know, environment all the time. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And I think another thing that I've learned is that, and this is sort of hard to explain, or, or maybe I don't have the right words for it, but I'll try. So we also think we're going to be happy yeah. later. Mm-hmm. So what I call the toxic success trap in my book yeah. is a, is a, 
think a thought process where we believe that success is a trade-off and we believe that we need to trade current day suffering for future happiness. And the part that's hard to explain is we actually in that process train ourselves to be unhappy. Yeah. So behaviorally, the grooves in our mind, right? Like neuroscience, right? We actually never become truly happy because we don't learn to be happy. And have you ever noticed like um, folks that go retire, but they've been sort of work was their life yeah, and they don't know what to do because guess what? They didn't invest time in understanding that rest, that rest and digest. Like they didn't invest in what does that look like for me? So many of us have trouble sitting still even. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, Um, it's because we think we have to earn rest or we have to earn calm. And, um, you know, I think that is what I would love to sort of help people change is to understand that we were actually designed to default to a state of calm and use stress as that short-term fuel and not to live in chronic stress. Yes, that Mm is. Absolutely. I, I have so many girlfriends and that's, that's a struggle, right? I mean, for a lot of people I talk to, about the not feeling like they should sit down or that they yeah. should take a break or that they should go get in, you know, the word or read a book, like, or just take a nap. Like they, a lot of them feel like that's not okay. Right. Like they're not performing, like you said, and, you know, I've, you know, yes, I might've been more like that, not never, never to that level, but I'm definitely not at this point. Like I've learned, right. And yeah. I've put more things in place where I'm, I'm happy to do those things because I've learned that they, make me feel better. And then I'm, I can actually perform better when I take these breaks throughout my day or throughout my week. And so I think it's important uh, that you mentioned that. So why don't you tell us like, what did you find with yourself? And then in writing the book or working with other people, like what's causing the, us to get to the point of burnout or almost to burnout. And what do we do? Yeah. So, I mean, and this is an oversimplification, but it's just sort of to illustrate a point. So I think what happens is maybe there was a point in our lives where we were truly who we were born to be, right? And we were, you know, uniquely us, right? Maybe as a child. Mm-hmm. And through messaging and experiences, we were almost conditioned to value something else. Yes. And that starts early, right? So like for me, and and this isn't everyone's story. Everyone's got a different story. But my story was my parents were lawyers. So I almost don't have to tell the rest of that story, do I? But, <laughs> yeah. but it was like, you know, they were both um, type A achievers, I guess you could say. I mean, they were work, 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 work. And, and my mother would say things. And I was more of a creative kid. And I was like a slower pace. I didn't move very fast. And it's so funny because my son is so similar and I'm like, get your shoes on, go to school. (laughs) Um, But she would say things and think about how subtle this is. It's really loving and and comes from a good place. But how subtle is this message? You could be anything you wanted to be if you would just apply yourself. Yeah. Stuff like that. And that's subtle, right? right? But what I internalized was, oh, I, what I am isn't good enough. I need to be something else. And so those are early messages. And then when we do get into professional careers or, and I will say our stay at home moms aren't let off the hook here. It's not just the working, the working uh, folks. It's also the whole, you know, 
getting your kid into Harvard or making sure your kid's in all the AP classes. So the type A is not just for corporate people. Right. But when you're in a professional setting, which is my experience, what happens is it's sort of like the mouse with the lever and the pellet. Mm-hmm. You start calibrating to another North Star. Yes. Because performance reviews, raises, promotions, that becomes your sort of your dopamine or your your reward system. Mm-hmm. So you become over time, you could become trained to value something else other than who you truly are. So mm-hmm. what happens, I think, and this is just, you know, what I've done a lot of research on stress and burnout and, and what happens to us in act one to act two of life is we suddenly we feel like our worth hinges on performance. Yeah. And no one really trains us to say, okay, so your worth is this. And your performance is this. Right. We don't get that messaging ever. I don't know where that exists in our culture, except you and me and, and some of some of the others who are trying to change change the narrative. But we start to believe that's our worth. And that's why when I ha- suddenly had a calendar without things on it, I felt like a oh. I felt like I didn't exist almost. I felt invisible. I felt non-existent. So I think what prevents burnout, so to say what prevents burnout is to go back and become a little bit more spiritually aligned with who you were born to be. And I like to illustrate it this way. There were billions of people born before you were born and there are billions of people that are going to come after you. And isn't it remarkable that there are no two alike? So in, in this one little square foot, right? Square inch, millimeter, whatever, on the tip of our finger, there's a design that doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So in the system of life, there has to be a value to uniqueness. Right. It, It has to be that we are born uniquely to be who we uniquely are. And so to go back and find a safe way or safe space to rediscover who that is, And so that's what I do try to do in my book is I try to provide, I was a strategist for many years and I do believe in blueprints and worksheets and things like that, that really help you. So I try to provide at least a blueprint that helps guide people back to what I consider our soul values, which I think of as our innermost values. And let me clarify, we think we have a layer of values that are part of our learned identity. So like I used to value excellence and I used to value delivery and I used to value servant leadership. And I used to value all these things that were really what I would consider in the performance layer of my identity. But you almost have to take that onion layer away and get lower down deep into who you were born to be and and feel your way into what are, and, and, you know, I have that soul value assessment on my website if people want to download it as a PDF, but it's just basically a lot. It's also in the book is a long list of just words that if you could just kind of sit with that list and see what jumps out at you and go through that evaluation of, do I really value that? Or was I taught to value that? What's my deepest value? Cause like, you know, I learned to suppress my creativity because it wasn't valued by my parents and it really wasn't valued by society either. It was like, you know, only the left-brained careers were valid. Um, and and now I'm back to valuing creativity so much that um, I live my life through that. And I know that my day is spent in a, I guess, a worthy way because I'm being me. 
whether I'm being paid for it or not. I just wanted to let you know, I'm so excited to share with you that the doors are now open to my new course, Faith Fueled Joy. You guys, it's been a labor of love and we will officially start the modules in January, but I'm going to have a whole month in December of things to get you started so that you can step into more joy. You can step into more peace and calm in your life and that you can really step into the role and the type of day that God has intended for us. So I'm so, so excited. So if anybody that signs up between now and mid-December, you're going to get all sorts of extras, extra um, modules to kind of get the holidays kick-started in a calmer way. And then we'll start the official four-week course in January. So this is really for any of you, just like myself, that were feeling like daily life was weighing you down, or maybe that life is full of so many responsibilities and obligations that there was no time to increase or deepen your faith, have more meaningful relationships, step into or reignite your passion, your creativity, and and just have a calmer spaces and do more for ourselves so that we have more well-being. And so that's what the course is about. I'd love for you to learn more at faithfueledjoy.com. And by the end of the course, you can expect to find more balance and joy that you're craving through meaningful breaks. And this is going to be together with a community of women to support and encourage us that will help us stay on track and achieve our goals. But I want you to say goodbye to the chaos and embrace the life where balance means nurturing your faith, relationships, and passions, one meaningful break at a time. I can't wait to connect with you all and take you through the strategies and tools and the research-based insights that have changed my life and other women's as well. You guys, let's create a life that's flowing with joy, faith, and purpose together. Once again, go check out all the information about the course at faithfueledjoy.com. I'm celebrating myself and I'm becoming, does does that make sense? I'm showing up as my true self through this map of values. And it just becomes an easy way to know, to not look at other people's acceptance and look at more like Brene Brown. I'm not going to quote her correctly, but it's something about, you know, if you, if you show up as your true self and you don't you know, okay, I'm not going to say it correctly. I'm I'm definitely ruining this, but, but showing up as your true self, you belong everywhere you go. That's right. And by trying to gain acceptance, you, you actually betray yourself. And that is, that's a betrayal. Right. And I'm trying to tell my kids that I have college age kids and I'm like, please know who you truly are and just be that. And it's hard at that age, but at our age, we can get there, I think. Yeah. And I I think really, you know, and that's why I think we hear a lot of people having conversations around this now. I know I have friends that are writing books about identity, right? Like when identity is pulled from under you, which it's going to happen to all of us because most of us have put our identity in something else than what you're talking about at some point. But I think it's also about it's an undoing or an unlearning because we do, most of us have. 5, 10, 20, 30, 50, how many ever years of baggage of all these things? Because my story is very similar to yours in the sense of when I was young, like early teens, I would write poetry. Like I did all these creative things, but it was secret. Like I didn't share it with anybody. And then, then in college, I was really interested in like ethics and faith and all these things. I mean, yes, I guess that was out there because I was in class with people, but it was like, it was still tamped down. And then I went into a job that was in like online tech and marketing and all these other things for 20 plus years. And I'm really good at it, but Mm -hmm. it's my zone of excellence. It is not my zone genius or where I think God designed me to be. 
Yeah. I had to undo this stuff. And even now having the podcast and doing mentoring and um, courses and things, I still struggle. Like if things aren't going quite right, like, oh my gosh, should I go, should I do tech stuff again? Like I literally still want to run to what I knew it because Mm -hmm. people want to tell me, oh, but you're so good at that. Look, you had all these amazing career things in this, but that's not how I was made to be. I was never made to be that. It just happens that I got onto that path and I had to unlearn and unlearn that I can let it all go, right? I can let all the things go that don't define me or my values for how I want to show up in the world, right? How, what it's important in my life and then what's important for me on how I'm impacting other people's lives. So I think we all go through this taking back the layers, right? Of the onion, a lot of, a lot of us talk about that mm-hmm. and that's okay, but we have to realize that it's like a, it's like a journey of discovery, right? Or rediscovery. Yes, it takes time. Yeah. It definitely takes time. And I think you and I and others, the more we have these conversations, the more we create a safety net for people to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I love that you shared about, you know, what you kind of see with us. Why do we find ourselves feeling burned out? And, and the identity is such a big piece because I've had so many conversations with guests that um, talk about this whether it was because of their career, like that, you know, they, they don't have that job anymore. So they, or they're not a teacher anymore. Right. So it's like you Mm -hmm. struggle, but other people, they ended up with a, in an accident. And for some period of time, they were bedridden and they're like, I couldn't even serve my family. They're like, do you know what that feels like when you have, you feel like you have no value because you're literally laying in a bed. And then they had to, of course, wrestle with that and realize that they have value just in being them, not even in doing anything. And that's almost the blessing that came out of the accident, which is just, you know, it's horrible to say because it was, it's terrible that they had that, but they learned to value their themselves rather than just what they can do for others. others. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so I think the point is, is, um, and this is probably something we both hear a lot from, from women, especially that if we don't talk about these things, everyone, we all feel like it's just me. I have this feeling, whether it's about, I don't know who I am or I don't have value, whether it's that I feel burned out, I feel angry about something or whatever the feeling is, or like, I feel shameful about something. If we don't talk about it with someone else, then we internalize it and think, I'm only going through this. And then we hold on to it. But so many women, they're like, once it's like when you go on, you're with girlfriends or you're with other moms and somebody says something they did, like even as a mom and you're like, oh my God, let me tell you about what, what I did. Like you didn't think you'd tell anybody, but then you're now in a safe place to share. And you realize we're all going through figuring these things out and it's, it's good. And it's okay to say like, I feel burned out. I feel exhausted in my Mm -hmm. life and I need to do something about it. That's a good place to be because it means you recognize you have an awareness that something needs to change. Agree. And, and I think too, like, I think you and I talked about the redefinition of success for ourselves um, earlier. And you know, I think if we can stop looking at success as something transactional and external, or only that, okay? Like, so yes, I, you know, let's think about how we feel and maybe include well-being in our definition of success. And I think that's, it's a hard sell. Right. I think for my executive clients, I do coach executives, and I feel like I have to be very gentle with them because they're still in it and they are they definitely are looking for balance, but they have a, well, in some ways they have a harder time 
adopting new behaviors. Right. But I'll tell you what I found is that sometimes I feel like they're the the easiest clients to work with because I work with um, experiments. I'm kind of tired of goals. I'll tell you. Right. Yep. <laughs> I feel like we could dig a hole with goals and forever and, and, oh, I achieved my goal. You know, like that's the doing part of our lives, right? That's right. So what I try to work with is experiments because our brain does love evidence and yeah. evidence is a fastest track to change is mm-hmm. when we can experience something firsthand. Yeah. So Corporate clients are great because they have that challenging upcoming meeting on their calendar. They can say, that's the Petri dish for this week. That's where I'm going to practice calm presence instead of internalizing, ruminating, you know, beating myself up, criticizing myself internally. So becoming aware of our thoughts, you can stay in it and still, you don't have to run from it necessarily. And and I had to just because I hit burnout, but yeah. Well, and well, yeah. So let's talk about mindfulness mm-hmm. for a couple of minutes because I just started reading uh, the the new new book by uh, Dirt, the psychologist George Mumford. Uh, it's called Unlocked, I think. It's yeah, Unlocked. But he he basically helps all different people, you know, high level executives, but like pro NBA players, like all all different type of people. So he's worked with Jordan, Kobe, like all these people. Wow. And and I had heard an interview with him the other day, and it was really good, but. The point was, is it's, it all came down to like, when you get in that zone, when you get in the flow, when you stay calm in the midst of like the crazy game or the meeting or your life, whatever it is, it was all about one. It was about knowing yourself, like, and you, you have to know yourself to express yourself to, you know, and, and he talks about being yourself, but it's also about, you have, it's about getting it right in our mind, right? Like, in other words, you can be the most amazing basketball player or the most successful person. But if you can't figure out how to get in that state where everything else kind of drops to the side and you're in a calm present where you're with yourself, literally, right? Or even maybe with, um, you know, like a spiritual thing he talks about, but it's literally that like we, so let's talk about mindfulness. I mean, you and I both talk about it. I mean, most anyone that's talking about anything does because our mind is so important. And so what can you share with us about how do we start shifting our our thoughts, because that's really right. One of the keys to unlocking, letting go of some of the stress and burnout. 100%. And, you know, I will say this before I burned out, I wasn't aware of my thoughts. I really wasn't. Yeah. And I had dabbled in mindfulness um, since I was young, you know, my yeah. early twenties and I've read all these great books and things, but I just really wasn't fully aware of my thoughts at all. Right. And what I would say is, First of all, we I do like to I have a woo-woo side, but I also really like research and evidence yes. and um neuroscience and, and proven things like too. So I, I will say that we um we do, we are wired with a negativity bias. And that's something I recently learned and I'm sharing it. Maybe other people already know this, but over time human beings developed this bias towards negativity. It was probably a survival benefit of some kind, like, oh, uh, let me fear that the berry is going to be poisonous so that before I taste it or something like that, you know, Um, but we are wired towards negativity. That's why gratitude practice is really important to see. We lose awareness of what's good and what's working for us. And so much more is actually good and working for us than is bad in in life, but we don't see it because we tune it out because we're narrowly focused on the problem. So that's, that's one thing I've learned. I think the negativity, I call it the negativity undertow, but it's almost like our operating system has a virus (laughs) and it's almost like negativity 
is it's almost like our survival messaging is trying to protect us, but it's so skewed negatively that we, it prevents us from taking healthy risks or experience healthy, healthy success or sitting still for a minute right. and, and just not being doing, doing, doing. So I just finished a neuroscience class and they talked a little bit about like the fear center. It's, a, it's not just one spot in our brain. It's also some, how chemicals run through, mm-hmm. but it's where we're operating out of our fear center. And I'll try to make this really quick because it's obviously neuroscience is complicated, but it's then there's this higher mind that we can we can actually shift to. And so yeah. Eckhart Tolle calls this watch the thinker. Right. And I feel like it's the best thing I can gift someone is this. I call it the self-coaching technique. Mm-hmm. So if anywhere, you don't need a coach with you. You can always coach yourself if you can shift to neutral and sort of let go of some of the dialogue that's just like that virus that's pulling our operating system Mm -hmm. down, slowing us down, shift to neutral and become an observer and a participant at the same time in your life. Right. And and I think a lot of writers are writing about this right now. So it's probably called lots of different things. I think the watch the thinker it's in the power of now the Eckhart Tolle book power of now, but it's this idea of almost self-coaching where you're observing. So this is, I don't know. I hope this isn't too complicated to explain because it is a practical technique, even though it may not sound like it. Does that, Absolutely. Yeah. And just to add to that. So like when I was talking about the um, book by George or the interview, but also the book by George Mm -hmm. uh, Mumford, he he was talking about that being flow ready. Okay. And, uh, but it's kind of related to what you said, because he said, basically when you start being able to tap into um, like that, this calm state, you know, like you're, he says, you see things without judgment. And when you see, see it, there's knowing of what to do next. And the point is, if we can get out of the negativity and we can get back to this place, the point is, is you can more calmly determine like, is this really true? This thought, is this really? Yes. How things are? And I talk to people a lot about, we, we operate with this. What if like the worry, the worst case scenario, like what if this goes wrong? What if I get embarrassed? But I say, what if we just switch our what ifs to the possible, right? To, to mm-hmm. the, what, what could come of it? That's good. So if instead of saying like, what if, this goes wrong. What if I lose my job? What if like this opportunity, my business fails, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of that, if we can just shift the what ifs to make a positive statement with that, you know, what if this mm-hmm. worked out? What if I just learned a lesson that lets me be successful in the next thing? What if this relationship worked out? What mm-hmm. if I spoke on stage and it changed lives? Like, so a lot of times it's just taking the moment mm-hmm. and then acknowledging what's going on with our thought. And then, you know, asking a question or shifting it. Like you said, just, just, but it takes Mm -hmm. practice. You know, it does take practice. And like you said, I'm more of a positive person from, from default, but of course the way the world's been, I can, I've had, I have to stop myself though, because I've gotten into states where I'm worried about something. So even though that's not my default, I'm still a mom and I, you know, I live in this world. It's crazy. And so I can, I can find myself having worrying or anxious thoughts. So I have to I have to hold them hostage basically. Right. And move them over to a more positive or thought that's more realistic and not staying in the negative. Well, and I, I love that you're explaining it probably much better than I tried to. It's, it's, yeah. it is weird. Cause we're talking about the inside of our brains and yeah. like chemistry, but I'll say this to your, to your listeners as well is 
when you practice this in a challenging situation rather than, so what we're doing is we're work, 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 stress, 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 pocket of rest, go to a yoga class or have a glass of wine, right? We're trying to live that way. What we really need to switch to is rest, 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 pocket of stress. I know that that sounds counterintuitive, but that's how we were actually designed. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, for those who don't believe that or think, how could I possibly live a rest-based life? Try it. So evidence-based learning is the way we really learn. That's where our brains actually will stop being so afraid Mm -hmm. is go try it. So like the next time everyone around you has their pants on fire, like at work or wherever, if if it's, if it's not really a fire and you're not really rescuing people out of a fire, there's not a real emergency, but everyone see, take a step back, take a deep breath and say, huh, stress is contagious. I just heard that on a podcast. What if I slowed way, 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 way down and became an observer right now? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not avoiding, I'm not being avoidant. I'm actually a part of everything, but I'm noticing and I'm noticing whether stress is necessary right now or not. And are we, is our people, and what, what if the world doesn't fall apart if I pull myself out of it? What if I, what if I, for a moment, just nod and, and support everyone in their stress and try to be a good leader mm-hmm. or coach or whatever, and then let the, let the storm pass. And what if the world doesn't fall apart if I did that? Guess what? That's going to be the first time you believe rest is best. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to have two, tried it. Yeah. Absolutely. There's two things I wanted to add to that. The first is that's why they talk about breathing techniques and that you literally can breathe for one minute or two minutes, right? Taking the two, the deep breath in or two deep breaths in, holding it and then breathing, exhaling it out. It literally takes the stress level down in your body. So even if you only have 30 seconds or a minute, mm-hmm. you can learn, and I can't remember some of the names off the top of my head of the breathing techniques, but you can learn how to breathe and it actually lowers your stress level. So that's something that you can apply immediately. You know, if you go look mm-hmm. that up, the other thing is, I just saw recently another uh, data point that said after working four hours, you actually, if you take a little rest or go on a walk outside, but you disconnect from what you're doing, because you've had four hours of focused work, go take a break, rest yourself. You come back and you actually have a way more productive, more, four more hours in you. But if you never take that break, those last four hours are not going to be so productive. And you're just In other words, you're going to max out. So we actually have to rest if we want to be actually productive and performing when we are working or when we're doing something focused, Mm -hmm. right? Like whatever it might be. You're so absolutely right. And one of my new sort of ventures that I feel called to is called Calm Leadership, because guess what? A lot of people listening right now are like, that sounds great, but my boss, if I went out on a walk or if I said I need a nap in the middle of the day, my boss would definitely not approve yeah. of that. So if we could possibly get to leaders right. and teach them some of the things you're saying here, because they set the energy and tone of the organization, of the work culture. Absolutely. And so if we have stressed out bosses, which we do, of course we have yeah. stressed out bosses because when you get promoted, your stress level increases by 10%. So we have, and you know, anyway, so there's Getting to the top is one of my goals. Getting getting um, the leadership to believe in balance wholeheartedly. Because if everybody's running around and everything's fear-based, then guess what? Your performance metrics are also fear-based. Yeah. And we're all calibrating to this fear-based nonsense. Yeah. And we, we really... Anyway, so it's just, yeah, it's a calling. Yeah, you're so right. And absolutely, it's it's a culture, right? It's like, what is the culture that the companies are setting if you work for a corporate or a 
you know, a company. And, you know, here's the thing I'd say to you, though, if you're someone that works in that kind of company, and I get it, if you work on an assembly line, you can't just leave your assembly post during your work hours, you will get fired, right? Like, so it depends on your job. But if you're like a lot of people where you work, you're sitting at a desk or you're on a computer most of the day, I would say that many of your jobs, you can at least get up and take a five minute break. Go go outside and breathe in fresh air, see the sunshine. Go on a walk because you can take a call on the walk, True. right? Or a meeting. So I would say that I think we have a, a lot of jobs, not all, have a lot more leeway, but we're scared to try it or to ask. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, no, you know what? I need to stretch my legs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my next call on a walk around the, the office. Yeah. I think we're scared to say that. I think we're scared I think to so too. Yes. And so and I would I just get- challenge people to be more willing to ask for what you need. And I'm sorry, but if that keeps you at the job longer and you're happier, you're going to perform better. They're going to want you to go take more walks. <laughs> right. Right. And normalize it. Right. And I think our subconscious gets a chance to work through some of the stuff while we're on a walk or doing Absolutely. the dishes or something. It, we're actually working while we're walking, even yes. if we're just, just letting our subconscious do a little bit of the heavy lifting. Yeah. So there are a lot of healthy balance techniques that we just, as a culture, I think we all just need to take one little experiment and, and, and try it. Like, you say, let's just get out of our fear center. Absolutely. You know, yes. and quit this hustle culture. And I think COVID helped because it slowed us all down. But now a lot of people are still left like, what, what does my new, you know, normal look like? We're still not really with a good solid idea of what new normal looks like. But if we can make it this, if we can make it success, including well-being and not excluding well-being, not a trade-off, not a trade-off, you know, Mm -hmm. then we can, then we can actually come out of COVID on, you know, ahead. So true. So tell me, what would you just want to share with listeners to encourage them in their lives, you know, to really take to heart all the things we've already been talking about, but how would you like to just wrap it up with uh, what you'd like to share with them? I think what I would say is wherever you are on your journey, little tiny steps, if, if, if it feels like really hard to make a change or you feel afraid to make a change, if you can break it down into a much smaller step and take a safe little step in a certain direction and then observe, you know, just start tapping into your own feelings and your own thoughts. I feel like we've always been told thoughts are valid, feelings aren't. And I actually even almost believe the opposite now because I think thoughts can get us more in trouble than feelings. And I think just feeling forward and and thinking about success is not like what we have or what we accomplished, but also how do we feel? Maybe what that'll help us challenge our definition of success. Start questioning that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And you know, it's funny just to add on to that real quick. I have been hearing now more recent, you know, that we keep thinking that when we hit a destination or we hit something like I made X dollars, I got the job, I found the man or woman or whoever you, you know, um, I mean, Mm -hmm. depending on who the audience is. But the problem is, is those things actually don't bring us joy or happiness. They don't bring us It's actually in you deciding to show up for yourself and to do, to take action. That's where you find the fulfillment, right? And of course, I would say, you know, we find more joy in things. For me, it's in my faith. But truly, though, it's in the, and I hate to say it's in the journey, but it's actually in the process that we can experience Mm -hmm. actually what we're looking for. But we keep thinking that it's when we get to a certain place, we can celebrate the win. But if we're celebrating now, that is actually Mm -hmm. where it's at. And, you know, I love that a lot more women are talking about this now, but it's not when you make a million dollars or $50 million or $50,000, whatever the number is for you. 
It's not when you get the promotion, because guess what? People with the most money and the most career success, that doesn't mean they're happy. It's because it's not about that. It's about the people and it's about the moments and it's about what you're making of your life in the moments, mm-hmm. you know? So I just remind people that if we focus Absolutely. on that, like you said, less about achievement, you know, from the, what the culture is telling us, that's where we find, you know, this contentment, if you will, this mm-hmm. fulfillment. I love it. Yes. And what does success look like in your heart when nobody's even looking and nobody can actually give you a trophy for anything? Exactly. I love Feel it. it, you know? Yeah. Great yeah, stuff. And I think that's the thing is we have to be willing to be, like you said, unique and also just start learning to know ourselves again and love ourselves for what we truly love in our hearts, not what we've been shown to people, been showing to people that mm-hmm. we want or love, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that's uh, so important. And I loved our conversation today. I think it was hopefully really helpful to some people. So Amanda, tell us how can people find out more about your book and all the things that you do with people? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been on Instagram. I'm 53, but I'm on social media trying to do the best I can. My kids think some of my stuff is cringy, but you know, they're not my target audience, right. but <laughs> I'm on Instagram. It's at beyond balance underscore coach. My business is called beyond balance coaching. And uh, the book is inward to upward discover your blueprint for true success and escape the toxic success trap forever. And that is on Amazon. So if you just want to search inward to upward there, or there's also inward to upward.com is a little website there. Actually, there's a uh, soul values assessment download that if people want to do that, it's also in the book. It, it, it gives you the URL for that. But um, yeah, if you just want to follow me on Instagram, I'm always playing around with different content, failing forward, just trying new things. So I'd love to connect with everyone there. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today and helping us uh, talk about uh, stress and burnout and just having more well-being in our lives. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks again for listening in. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can check out freebies and resources we have for you at kristenfitch.com. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. Until next time, have a great week.